Hi, Lucy. Oh, boy. You're going to get her started. <laughs> I love her. Okay. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Brook Talks America, home of the new right and our Tactical Tuesdays podcast with Joe Dolio, also known as the Joe Stradamus and Brooke the Magnificent Show. Welcome to Joe. And of course, we always like to welcome our uh, mascot, Lucy, which is Joe's dog. So the pitter patter of little feet in the background is her. Uh, just a reminder that you can sign up at each of our websites for alerts on new articles and shows. Mine is brooktalksamerica.com. Joe's is tactical-wisdom.com. He also has a YouTube channel of the same name. Um, so leave us a comment and tell us how much you love the show. Uh, we had a little hiatus last week because, and I forgot to put it up, so I'm sorry about that. Um, I usually spend Memorial Day weekend, and I've written uh, articles about this in seclusion, you know, watching military programs in uh, somber remembrance of what the day is for. I owe it to them to do that. One day is not too much. Uh, and I'll remind everybody that, unfortunately, this was the second year that the dementia patient at 1600 failed to pay respect to and acknowledge Memorial Day and honor our fallen. Uh, you know, I think it's important that we mention that because that is what we're dealing with with now in America. He is apparently wanting to be more quote-unquote transformative than Barack Obama, who hates the country as well. Now, he just wants to like out-hate the biggest hater that we've had. So a regime that hates America and is going for broke to destroy it, something that is having now and will continue to have profound effects on us for a very long time, all of the things you're seeing now are deliberate. The destruction is deliberate. Uh, I suggest you listen to, in addition to our podcast and all of Joe's stuff, uh, you know, Jesse Kelly, when you get a chance, he's very hardcore on that as well. Um, so today we're discussing chapter four in book three of Joe's Tactical Wisdom series, which is called Defensive Operations. The chapter title is interior guard as you know i mentioned before joe's books are based on what he calls the ultimate tactical handbook which is the bible and each chapter has a verse in it um you know some of them are literally like based on what topics we discuss in these podcasts so joe before we get into the chapter i'd like you to go ahead read the bible verse and then why this is something that i didn't know which is that the u.s Marine security forces are the only armed forces allowed armed on the White House property daily and then describe what the interior guard is per the Marine Corps order listed in your book. So that's quite a mouthful. <laughs> it's quite a mouthful. So so I try to make sure that every Bible verse at the beginning of the chapter has something to do with it so that you know that there's a there's a basis for this. Right. It's not just my thoughts, but. These are literally things God wants you to do. So this one, I found a really good one that went with it. Um, reinforce the guard, station the watchman, prepare an ambush. Jeremiah 51.12. So what was going on in Jeremiah at the time was Jerusalem was completely surrounded by her enemies and was about to be attacked and destroyed. Boy, does this sound familiar to you? Yeah. It sounds a little bit like the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, and more importantly, God was using Jeremiah to try and talk to the people of the city and tell them, if you don't change your ways and get rid of all this sexual immorality and all of these crazy ideas and thoughts and things you're doing, I'm going to destroy you. And they didn't heed him. And look what mm -hmm. happened. And we're on the same path. Uh, like, my, we're, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about that later. But we are like literally on that exact 
same path like Sodom and Gomorrah. Go ahead. Absolutely. So um, the United States Marines uh, do a lot of guard duty. It's it's pretty much one of their main focuses. So um, in a order that that establishes the U.S. Marines, it says that their job is to secure and defend advanced naval bases. So that gives them a security mission right at the very beginning, right? So U.S. Marines are found at embassies, consulates, sensitive naval bases, nuclear weapons storage sites, anywhere where the U.S. government wants to hold on to things, you'll find Marines. You'll also find a pretty big Marine security force detachment at 8th and I Street, right down the road from the from the White House. Uh, and if you watch video of the White House, you will see Marines opening doors and, and being stationed there. They're the only armed forces allowed on the property, uh, other than, you know, other than Secret Service, uh, at, uh, on a daily basis, um, just because the Marines have a history of loyalty to the U.S., uh, and they take their oaths very, very seriously. So, just an interesting side note. So, um, Interior Guard, uh, according to the Marines, is the guard detailed by a commander to preserve order, protect property, and enforce regulations in the jurisdiction of his or her command. So for what we're talking about, we're going to kind of have the same thing. We're talking about a situation where there's no police or fire. Uh, there's no government organization out there ensuring justice uh, or ensuring that nobody comes and steals your things and that nobody breaks in. So you need to establish your own interior guard. And, and I use that specific term, interior guard, because in the Marines, the interior guard is exactly that. It's the people inside your perimeter, the people you're protecting, like whether it's your house, your bug out location, uh, a neighborhood where everyone is banding together to protect the neighborhood. It's the guard inside of that, uh, not the guard outside of that or, or patrols. So it's meant to protect what you have inside of something. Um Let's be honest, if we're talking about an extended without rule of law situation like Katrina times two or three, yeah. um, guard duty is going to be a way of life. And we we saw this last year in South Africa. Uh, and I had a guy on my channel, uh, Gideon from South Africa, who talked about this, that guard duty composed like 16 to 18 hours of everyone's day during the riots there in KwaZulu-Natal last year. Um, and so you really have to understand that that's going to be a key piece of it. You have to know how to pull guard duty, know how to protect your own stuff. And security is, quite frankly, everyone's business. Yeah. And speaking of that, you mentioned um, in our podcast that that's like he, he it was either him or or was it him that said like this? That's the test case for what they want to do here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever happens in South Africa eventually comes here. Because, as he points out, um, no one cares about Africa. So they can do whatever they want down there. The globalists try everything there before it comes here. So, Yeah. And that's, you know, Bill Gates is speaking of which uh, Bill Gates is all over Africa. Right. And nobody even yep. thinks twice. Oh, he's a philanthropist. Yeah. Everybody's sterile. They're going to be, I'm sure. OK. Ask the people in Nigeria how much of a philanthropist he is. Ask the people in India how much of a philanthropist he is. Oh, they don't yeah. Like no. Very much there. Yeah, it's all over. Uh, the, the horrific, horrific, um, adverse reactions to their vaccines, to the vaccines that he's doing all over the place. You know, which his wife should be, Melinda should be on the list as well because she knew about that and apparently she knew about Epstein too. It's just, that guy is. I tell everyone, no matter what you do in life, from a janitor all the way up through an EMT, you have more medical knowledge and experience than Bill Gates has. So 
Exactly. I mean, the idea that this guy gets to go, oh, we're going to vaccine the whole world. No, and we're going to do this. I mean, and here's the thing that kills me the most. I guarantee you, even the low information voters, especially the people that you know, they might vote, they might vote Democrat. I mean, the, the healthcare workers that were the dancing nurses and all that stupid stuff. And, you know, Biden voters that like voted for him and then found out later, oh no, you're not only gonna, you have to get the jab or you're gonna lose your job, right? If they yeah. realized this guy was actually on tape, Gates, talking about the 10, 10 to 1 return on investment for what? Oh, vaccines. Oh, oh, okay. So you know you're going to get a 10 to 1 ratio return on vaccines, and it was the best investment that you ever made. So no wonder why you have vaccines. You know, mandated. Right and now he wants the whole planet, what, 8 billion people to get the vaccine, plus boosters and boosters and boosters. So, you know, listen, this is why I tell, like, I, I don't know if I mentioned here on the podcast, but I tell my sister who hates politics, I said, you may, you know, I don't want to be involved with it. And this is for everybody that doesn't want to be involved with politics. You may not want to be involved with politics, but politics will be involved with you, period. So, you know, you're either going to get involved Absolutely. now, late, you know, now or later, but at some point you're going to have to get involved. You so, know, I had, had a guy who once said to me, I don't want to play soldier boy about the topics in my book. Oh, yeah. Well, you might not want to, but if somebody shows up at your house and that's the game they're playing, you need to be able to do it. Yeah, so. like when China invades or calls up its sleeper cells here. Oh, okay. Let me know how that works out for you. Just chill out or like BLM or Antifa comes to your door. Yeah, let me know how that works out. So. Um, yeah, and t- you know what? At the end, we need to discuss the uh, DHS uh, alert that went out today. But we'll, we'll, I digress. Oh, yes. We'll don't talk about put, that. Put that down because I don't have it in my notes. Yes, for sure. Okay, so talk about fixed posts, how many people should be on them and why, and then why, why they should be elevated and what a sally point is. Okay, so fixed posts are going to be the spots where somebody go and stays, right? Like your entry control point, like you know your, your main gate to your property. Uh, a gate watching a corner, anything like that is a fixed post. Um, your supply room, your your command center, those are all fixed posts for people where they're not moving. Um, if you're going to have it along the perimeter watching outward, it should probably be elevated. So think of like a neighborhood. You would want it to be on a second floor of a house. So it's got a little bit more distance it can see. A couple things. It lets them see farther, and it also is uh, harder for someone to sneak up on without being seen. Uh, and human beings are, are just lazy and they don't ever look up. So you'd be in a better position if the higher up you can get. Uh, it's also harder for someone to get to them, right? I might sneak up to the guard post, but I'd have to climb up a ladder and they would probably hear me, right? So it's for safety and for observation. We want to try to put them elevated as much as we can. So if you don't have an elevated one out in your country area, like you've got a farm or whatever, you can buy these these tree stands that, you know, for relatively low price that were just attached to a tree with their own ladder and seat. Climb up. That could be a security post uh, for someone to watch uh, from a little bit farther away. Um, when you do it, you want to be able to see along one whole side of the perimeter when you set up a fixed post. Um, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to put them at the corner where they can see two sides. Well, if that's the case, you're going to have to put two people in there, one watching in each direction. Because if I've got to watch two sides, I might have my back turned and looking in one direction when somebody crosses the fence right. in another direction, right? So you need to have one person watching in every direction all of the time. So good stuff there. 
Um, besides, someone looking to sneak into your property might make a distraction on one side and come in on another. So you got to put at least two people all of the time in all of these. So if you think about that, you know, two people for, for half the day, two people for the second half the day, that's at least four people at a bare minimum. And you got to keep on moving, right? Uh, putting it all the way around. So you might need people. So your front gate also has to have at least two people, one to talk to people and one to cover them. So as you can see, you're going to need a lot of people in order to protect your property. Um, everyone has to sleep. And everything has to be manned all of the time because you don't know when bad guys are going to come. Um, we can't say, well, just this one time we're not going to put anybody on security because that will be the time when somebody shows up. You wake up and all your food's gone and you're all tied up. Yeah. So, so you got to have them. So um, once a, a full-on without rule of law situation happens, you need to set up some sort of a, a, a control center or, or like – like a general meeting place where everyone goes and all of that. And that one should have its own security person uh, watching over it for protection. Um, and also something that you need to consider setting up in any sort of a place you have, whether it's your farm, your neighborhood, whatever, is what we call a sally port in the military. So a sally port is a secret way in and out. It comes from a long time ago when uh, when you had castles and people would attack the castle you would have a sally port on the backside of the castle so that forces could sneak out and, as they called it then, sally forth and, and attack the enemy from behind when they were attacking your castle. So you need to have some sort of a secret way out. So let's just use like a cul-de-sac as an example. You've got the road that comes in, and there's only one way in by road, but there might be a trail that leads down to a stream that leads out of your neighborhood. That's You, you could set up something along there as your sally port. And that should have somebody keeping an eye on it during an emergency so you know you can still use it. Um, they don't necessarily need to be there 24 hours a day, but if you're going to use it, send someone to make sure it's safe. So yeah. that's a pretty good idea. I'm a little concerned that there's a sally port into my complex by these homeless people or drug drug users in the back of my complex that can sneak in through the brush. So I'm going to have to go check that out and put a sentry on it. <laughs> Well, you know what you can do is, is when things start to go bad, you can put obstacles there, drag some trash cans there and put them along the path or yeah. something that they have to make noise to get through. Well, um, thankfully, and I have a list of who they are. I think a lot of I think a lot of people in my actual complex are probably military. The problem is, is that and I've meant to mention this before, is that I live at the end of the road and there's only brush behind me. So I would have to go out. At the end of the, you know, like I'm at the end of the cul-de-sac for all intents and purposes, I would have to go out through my complex and then go through to apartment complex. Now the savages are in the co in the apartment complexes, and there's no way out except if you're going to be driving except through there. So that's where it would get hot. But we have a lot of military, you know, not so, enough. So to my flag, suggestion but. for that is, is as things start to get worse, and it looks like unrest is happening, park your extra car if you have one over that way right yeah and that way you can walk through the brush get in your other car and drive away well the brush is pretty high and i have a cat so i'm blasting out just saying no i may actually if, if it really got hot huh do whatever you gotta do <laughs> if it really got hot i'd probably get out and and go stay somewhere because well, see, it's really I tell everyone is, is as things get worse and they're going to they're even finally admitting it and we'll talk about that later 
uh, and all the economic reports, they f- they're finally admitting that, hold on, it's going to get a lot worse. Yeah. And Jamie Dimon from Chase came out with a pretty darn serious speech over the weekend. Um, but as it gets worse, I recommend everyone just get out early. You can always come back if you left too early. The opposite is not true. If you wait too long, you might not ever get out. Yeah. So anyway. So, Anyways, okay, so but a mobile a mobile patrol, right, sounds pretty yeah. self explanatory, but how many people should be in it and what particulars do you think need mentioning about that? So uh with a mobile patrol, anytime you have all these other fixed posts, you need a couple people able to respond to any problems. Um or to check out the inside. Someone could have gotten past one of your fixed posts and is going along and 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 planning on stealing stuff or or harming people. So you need a patrol that just moves around, doing whatever they need to, um, checking out all the little dark areas between the houses and things like that. It needs to be at least two people. One person can cover, one can approach the threat, uh, and they're able to respond to a situation with more than just one person, right? Um, so you can also use that patrol like somebody needs a break, needs a bathroom break, food break, whatever. The mobile patrol can go and relieve them. It's also part of your quick reaction force. If there's a problem, they're going to go right to the problem. But don't let your team use that patrol for any other task. They can't, uh, they can't, you know, uh, take some supplies from one place to another or, or have them run messages around. They need to be available to respond to defend the rest of you. And that should be their only job. All right. And the, uh, administration administration post or shift leader is the big kahuna, right? Explain the duties of the shift leader and the general principles for the security team. So we, we just use the term shift leader and executive protection for the guy running that shift. Uh, you can call him whatever you want. I mean, military would probably call him a sergeant, but they're the guy who handles everyone who's working at that point in time. So he would normally be at the control center or whatever meeting place you've designated as the center of your of your neighborhood protection plan or your, your bug out location, whatever you have, uh, he should be at that command post, but he's not the only security person for it. He needs to be able to leave and respond with the patrol to, with the mobile patrol to incidents that happen, or if someone comes to the gate or, or someone approaches another location, he needs to be able to leave. So he can't be the only security person there. He's not assigned any other duties other than leading that security team. And he decides if he needs to call up other people or not. So he's kind of the, kind of the boss man. Uh-huh. So, so let's talk about some of the general principles here. Your security team is only for that purpose. Don't use them for anything else. They're not going to take a box to Johnny's house or run this down the road or whatever. They need to be available only uh, to defend the perimeter and protect everybody else inside. What if a fire um, breaks out? What if a fire breaks out? Well, other people need to handle it. The security team needs to stay on what they're doing. So in a without rule of law situation, fire is a pretty dangerous and deadly thing for us. But fire has also been used as a distraction for thousands of years in combat. If I want to draw all of your security forces somewhere, I'm going to light a fire. And then everyone's going to run and go to put out the fire. Then I can just walk right in. The security team that's on duty needs to stay right where they are. And you need to get other people to go and fight the fire. They need to stay watching their perimeter because it could all just be a distraction. 
It's a very, very important thing. Um, we've seen it in, in without rule of law situations that have happened, like in, in Bosnia and the former Yugoslav republics. Fire is just a, a great distraction and it gets people to go, to go and get focused on that while other bad things happen. Don't fall for that. Have other people handling the fire. Yeah, and guess what other things are used as distractions too? Mass shootings. Hmm. Oh Lord, yes. Just but, saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be talking absolutely. about that. Um, talk about each of the eleven general orders of the U.S. Marine Corps basic recruit training and how each of them applies to our discussion of preparedness in a without rule of law situation, and within them. What is and why is it the granddaddy of all orders, 11, so important? So when you go to Marine Corps boot camp, you have to memorize all of these. And you spend time every single day memorizing these. So they're so ingrained into your brain that that they're there. But they're actually great rules. They're not not just a Marine Corps thing, but they're great rules for Life in general for being on security duty. So I'm going to write them. I'm, I'm going to recite them as they're as they're written, and I'm going to talk about how they apply to us and without rule of law. So the first one is to take charge of this post and all government property in view. So obviously we're not talking about government property. We're going to talk about all of our group's property or whatever, right? Um, take charge means exactly that. You dominate that area. You are the boss in that area, and you're going to handle it. So. That's the first thing. He's going to take responsibility for it. He's going to be the boss in that area. Um, the second one, uh, to walk my post in a military manner, keeping always on the alert and observing everything that takes place with insider hearing. This one is not, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It has a very good application without rule of law. You got to take your role seriously and you got to remain focused. You got to pay attention to what's happening. Uh, and a military bearing, uh, just means, just means not backing down from others, right? When people see that from the outside and they're watching you and they're trying to take over or thinking about coming in and stealing from you, if they see that you're alert, your your sentries have a military bearing and they're paying attention to what's going on and they're not distracted, it's going to send them somewhere else and you'll have less conflict. So number two is very, very important. Uh, number three, to report all violations of orders I'm instructed to enforce. All right, this one's a little bit more military base and it doesn't necessarily translate perfectly to our situation but it does mean that anything unusual should be reported to your shift leader or the command post or whatever you have it just means report things that are happening around you and this um, is one of the reasons why we have paper which we've talked right about yep absolutely now now number 4 comes from comes to us from history so we used to place sentries uh just far enough along that um if one person shouted, the next guy could pass that shout along, right? And that's where the Marine Corps' three-minute uh, or their three-mile run uh, comes from. They still have a three-mile run because three miles used to be the maximum distance between guard posts. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to run it in a certain amount of time. So, <coughs> excuse me, to repeat all calls from posts more distant from the guardhouse than my own. Uh, this, this one is, replies to, to radio as well as voice. So if somebody's shouting, you want to pass on the alarm, but if somebody's trying to get through on the radio, but no one else is answering them, you can call out and say, Hey, so-and-so is trying to reach you, uh, and try to pass it. Now, if none of you can reach the command post, that tells you something bad has probably happened and the roving patrol needs to go there right away to find out. So basically if somebody is calling for help, you're just going to repeat that call for help till you know that help is on the way to them. So you can see how that one applies. 
Um, number five, to quit my post only when properly relieved. Well, your sentries in a without rule of law situation can't just leave the post unattended. Someone might be watching looking for just that chance. Call the shift leader and they'll send someone over to cover you. Never leave your post unattended. Uh, number six, receive, obey, and pass on to the sentry who relieves me all orders from the commanding officer, officer of the day, and officers and non-commissioned officers of the guard only. Seems totally military when you hear it, but it's easily translated without yeah. word law use. Only people in the security team can tell you what to do. The medical chief comes up and says he needs you to do something. Sorry, I'm on guard duty. I can only take that order from somebody else from the security team uh, because I've got to focus on what I'm doing. So that one is important. Uh, number seven, to talk to no one except in the line of duty. Uh, as humans, we're social creatures. We want to talk. But when we talk to people, what do we do? We focus on the person we're talking to. Uh, and therefore, we're not going to be we're not going to be focused on what we're supposed to be doing. And when we give everybody a radio, they get tempted to get on the radio and talk to other humans. We like human contact. But you don't know who's listening to the radio and exactly. gathering information. And you also don't know when somebody else needs to make an emergency transmission that someone is coming over the fence. So leave the radio clear. And we've spoken about this your situation when you were uh, when you were listening for Antifa on their channel and they were talking about you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you need to be able to hear that. They were definitely calling me out. They described me to a T. Yeah. Well, I mean, sort of. I was wearing a mask and glasses, but whatever. Mask yeah. with sunglasses. But, yeah, exactly right. Uh, number eight, to give the alarm in case of fire or disorder. The entire point of having a guard is to have early warning. So once you see someone coming, get on the radio. You see a fire. You see people coming. Get on there and call it. And, and I make a point in here that says, notice it only says give the alarm. You may or may not be sent to handle it. Somebody else might come while you're still focused on watching your area. Everything could be a distraction. So remain focused until someone tells you to do something else. Uh, number nine, to call the corporal of the guard in any case not covered by instructions. This is simple. If you don't know what to do, call the shift leader or control center and someone will help you. Um, and number 10 really has nothing to do with that rule of law thing, but I put it in here uh, just to be complete. To salute all officers and all colors and standards not cased. Um, I, I do have it in here because render the pr appropriate respect to your leadership and the U.S. flag, right? Uh, Always. This is something I, I've got, uh, I've got a soft place in my heart for. Always. Uh, so the last one, right here it is. The granddaddy of all general orders, the most important one, to be especially watchful at night and during the time for challenging, to challenge all persons on or near my post and to allow no one to pass without proper authority. Simple. Naturally, night is when bad things happen, right? We should be especially watchful. Challenging is stopping people and identifying them before you let them through. Um, basically, you're going to stop them, ask them who they are, what they're doing there, whatever. If you've got a password thing, you can do it. Um, uh, but really, in our in our environment, you would know everyone who lives in your neighborhood or or is in your group or is at your bug out location. So you wouldn't really use a challenge and password very often because you ought to be able to recognize them. They should be someone you know. Right. Okay. But, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, but sometimes you might be working with another group or something like that. So you might have a, a challenge and password workout. So what it is is it's two words that are completely unrelated to each other that you use 
to uh, you you slip into a conversation to determine if they're there. So you don't use words that would be together like super bowl or space and ship. The example I give in the book is orange and bowl. They're or orange and radio. They're totally unrelated. So guys coming up to me and he's from a related group and they might have the same password. I might say, hey, the sky looked really orange earlier. And he might say, yeah, it made my radio not work good. But whatever you're doing, you're working the words into a conversation so that you know that they're a good guy or not. Mm. If they don't give the right answer, they're not one of them. Um, another one is what we call a mathematical challenge. You give an odd number uh, as the as the uh, as the password. So let's say the password for the day is 13. So, oh, that's the one I use in the book, too. I just made that up, and I look, and it's right there in the book. <laughs> um, so does, if the century says seven, the other person has to give the number that adds up to that number. So the answer then would be six, right? So I know that they're a good guy. You don't give the number out loud. You just say, hey, seven, and they have to give you the right answer for that day. Um, we never use an even number uh, because with an even number, if the number is eight, and I say four, if they reply with four, they guessed it, right? They could have guessed that. Always use an odd number. Uh, and they should never coincide with the date. The date is too easy to guess. So That's a good point. Good detail stuff that we talk about. So what Absolutely. about the running password? So running password is exactly what it sounds like. It's an emergency word that you give to anyone who leaves the perimeter so that they can shout it while running back if they're being pursued. So let's say... A few of us go out to to gather water, and, and we're out there, and we see this large group, and they start walking towards us. So we grab our water, and we take off towards the towards our perimeter, but this group starts chasing after us, and they're armed, and they're running after us, but they haven't shot at us. Instead of slowing down to stop at the gate, I shout out this running password, right? And the other people will just open the gate and let them through. Because they know that someone's coming. It's also an alert to anyone else who hears it that someone bad is behind them and they need to get ready. Um, now, you see this a lot in movies and, and in training. U.S. military likes to use the word blue as their uh, as their running password. And, and you could actually hear it in the movie 13 hours. They say blue, blue, blue. Um, that's the use of a running password. But that's a training one. You would never use that in real life because everyone has heard it a million times. Mm. But but that was an example of it. If you watch that movie, you'll see them. They come running towards the other guys who are defending the vehicles, and they 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 start shouting blue blue blue, so they know that it's their own guys coming through. That's what a running password is. Interesting. I didn't know that. You know, one of the things that I, my immediate my immediate thought when I was reading this chapter to get ready for the podcast is: remember, did you see Scarface? Yes. Remember, it, well. Yeah, I remember at the end, so like um, Tony has pissed off the Colombians because he didn't do the hit and and uh, and he's all coked out and his having the problem with his brother and his wife and everything like that and his sister and all of those Colombians come over the walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's because they didn't have their interior perimeter secured. Right on. They didn't yeah. have security posts set up. So right. you got to be ready for that. So. We kept the training standard. Um, yeah, let me let me hit that conclusion real quick. It's a security okay. security is a is a serious business, and you gotta really plan it right. You're gonna need to be doing it 24 hours a day, uh, and those general orders are a great guide. You, you just gotta do it. So the training standards. Um, there, there's a few of them. First one is explain the purpose of an interior guard. Um, 
two, list the types of posts and the most common uses of them, and that's the, the fixed posts and the, and the roving posts. Um, list what areas your group or unit considers critical that might require their own dedicated fixed posts. So that one's actually group-specific, right? Analyze your plans and decide what you need to protect with its own security person. Um, for be able to explain at least four principles from the Marine Corps general orders uh, that would apply to without rule of law security and explain how they apply. Uh, you don't have to memorize all 11, but memorize at least number 11, yeah. uh, maybe a couple of others. Um, six or five, demonstrate how to use the challenge and countersign. Six, describe a mathematical challenge. That's that odd number thing we just talked about. And seven, explain what a running password is and how it is used. So as you can see, your team needs to design all of these things for every single day. Every day, you should have a different challenge and countersign. Every day, you should have a different mathematical challenge. Every day, you should have a different running password. So you might think, why do I need a different running password? It's only used in an emergency. Well, if I'm the guys who chased you and you shouted crystal and they opened up the gate, if I don't change that word, the next day, they're going to come running at my gate shouting crystal with their faces covered and you're going to let them in. Yeah. So you have to change it every single day. Yeah. And this is the the uh, military, the Marine Code is very good. You're right. It's a very good process for setting up your without rule of law situation. Is there anything that you thought of after you wrote this chapter you would have included? Oh, I would have included. Um, I, I, I thought about this after I attended the class with NC Scout. I would have included a lot more about communication security and how to how to secure your communications while also securing your perimeter. Uh, it's a, the, the two go together like a hand in a glove. Oh. So, Did you practice any of this stuff while you were there? Oh, we practiced all the communications security stuff because it was a communications class. Okay. And uh, we developed our own codes. We had to have challenge and countersign. We had to have a mathematical challenge every day, had to have a running password every day. We did all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a serious class and very good one. Awesome. And on that note, listen, uh -huh. everyone, you need to get out there and train together. You can't just read books. You can't just, yeah. you know, gather supplies. You need to get out and train and maybe spend some money and take a good course. Yeah. And and don't you think that tactical um, shooting applies there, too? Like, well, it, you know, it does. But so many people spend so much of their time on that. I don't mean the range. I don't mean fixed targets. I mean like moving tactical, you know. So so here's the thing. I can do that without actually ever shooting, right? I can get together with my group. We can all make sure that no one has any live ammo. We use empty magazines and empty guns, and we practice the fire and movement skills. Absolutely. With the weapons. And with the weapons, yep. yeah. And there are actually classes you can take where you can actually do live fire like that. Uh, I know Max Velocity Tactical does it. I know that Scout does it down at his location in, in North Carolina. Uh, there are a lot of places all over the country. I mean, there's a pretty serious one that I've been to several times in uh, Moyoc, North Carolina for a, uh, we'll call it a semi-governmental agency that uh, that I've done some work for. Um, they do a pretty serious one. They have a massive base there where you can do all kinds of things on. Um, they've got villages, they've got wooded areas, they've got it all. But go out and take a course on how to do it and then have your team do it. So what I would do is I'd have like one member of my team go to the class and they can come back with their notes uh, and cross-train everyone else. But yeah. uh, ideally, everyone should go. It's worth it. You're betting your life on it. You should spend the money. 
Yeah, it really is true. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. It's like fixed target training is like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, big deal. You're not being attacked. You don't have a fire. You don't have a bomb. You don't have all that kind of stuff. Any kind of, and by the way, like segue back to like life is that another uh, abortion clinic was bombed. By the way, there wasn't any yeah. perimeter out there, but all of these things that could potentially be happening, like that fixed target training while you have time to think about it is not, you know, not necessarily going to help you because you don't, you're not practicing when you have fight or flight, when you have your heart racing and everything like that. So definitely, you know, something to think about in addition to the, the stuff we talk in the podcast is to actually do live, you know, even if it's not live fire to just practice holding the gun and everything like that in the, you know, in a tactical course. Yeah, we have, we have a soft one here. So many though. people, so many people want to just go to the range and put holes in paper and paper yeah. back. You need to learn how to do the skills that were in the field craft book and the skills that are in this book here and then the skills that are going to be in scouting and patrolling that I'm putting out. And I've actually gotten some pushback from some, some, some beta readers who are like, well, <laughs> you, you keep saying how it's all about just, um, about defense, but yet you list how to do an ambush. Well, if I know there's a bad group in my area and they're coming my way, wouldn't I rather deal with them far away from me rather than have them right up where my supplies and my family is? Yeah. Um, we don't want to ever use those skills, but we better know them. Yeah. Although I have to say that was the predicate for the Iraq war. Just saying. <laughs> Anyways, I just had to throw that in there because I'm just mad about it still. And the Afghanistan war. Uh, anyways, so on to politics. Um, Sussman you know, for all those who are paying attention, was acquitted in fat turd establishment hack. Bill Barr says he's oh so proud of John Durham. The whole thing's a complete joke. And now, of course, what are they saying? Oh, it's time to wrap up the Russia hoax, invest- in- Russia hoax investigation because of what? Budget. So we just sent well, $40 billion for our politicians to launder in Ukraine, but the investigation into the fraudulent uh attack on President Trump, which also cost us $40 million, has to end, right? And I have to say, whoever thought up the Q thing specifically ought to be on the gallows, right? Because that drove people absolutely out of their mind crazy. It's been a farce from the beginning. You know, I people were saying, oh, TikTok, you know, Sean Hannity, TikTok, TikTok, uh, Comey's going to go to jail, all this other stuff. It's totally ridiculous. So with all of that, right, Sussman, McCabe, Strzok, P- Lisa Page, nothing happened to them. This Thursday is what? The January 6th witch hunt crew. They literally have a Hollywood producer to, quote unquote, produce the hearings. Well, here's the thing. Those people are still in custody for one reason and one reason only. It's not because of what they did. It's to discourage you and me and everyone we know from even attempting to organize or get out there. That's why the DHS put out an alert today that said extremist domestic groups are talking about, you know, election fraud again. And they're they're talking about, you know, taking action against the electrical grid. They're talking about this. They're talking about that. Um, You know, they're talking about being poll watchers and poll workers. Yeah, but I don't think they're ever going to let you get to that point, right? I think that they're going to be – if you look objectively at everything going on right now, how you think that we're going to get there is is is, is beyond me. I, I hope we do, and I hope that we win all these elections big time. But I, I just 
we're approaching $6 a gallon gasoline here in Metro Detroit. And today, when I was at Meyer, the main grocery store chain in Michigan, EBT was down. Oh. I don't foresee a situation where we're approaching $7 a gallon gas and EBTs go down for a long term. I don't see how elections are even part of the problem any longer, right? We're going to be just trying to keep the buildings from being burned down and looted. And that's where you're going to need these skills and these books uh, to have in your hand. Um, seriously, they, they're finally coming out and admitting that the economy is not going to get any better anytime soon. And in fact, they're admitting it's going to get worse. Yeah. Over the weekend, Jamie Dimon, who knows what he's talking about, he's the chairman and CEO of uh, Chase Bank, uh, said, listen, I, I don't know where the bottom is, and, and we're, we're nowhere near it yet. We're going to keep going until we hit it, and I don't know if we will bounce back. Now, he's from Chase. His job is to make the outlook look good, and he's saying he doesn't know if it's ever going to get good. Um, he says that gas might be headed for 150 a barrel. It's already at 123 Uh and, and no matter how many times they release the strategic petroleum reserve, there's not enough to bring that dollar value down. And yeah, because they, said, they cut off lease and closed Anwar. Right. Oh. And here's the thing. I, I, we had Demp on the other day, and he explained something, that even if they release leases tomorrow, lease to gas uh, yeah. is, is like a three-year process, right? Yeah. They, if they give you a lease, you haven't even explored that. You don't even know if there's oil underneath it yet, right? So um, that's that, that's a fallacy when they say, oh, we're going to release some more leases. That doesn't mean there's any oil there, and it doesn't mean you're going to get it anytime soon. Um, but the point is, is that we continue to have these mysterious circumstance situations going on with chicken farms. I took a photo today at a Walmart where there are literally like, like like one fifth the normal amount of eggs in the building, um, milk gets, is getting scarce and expensive. Um, we're in some times that a lot of people are living in denial, and I've said this a few times that if you're getting your groceries delivered, you should still at least go to the grocery store once in a while and look around. You might be shocked, right, at what you find, and um. Today, spent seventy dollars at the grocery store. Didn't even buy that much food. Uh, it's getting uh, it's getting pretty pretty bad out there. So, um, I think that worrying about the elections and the midterms is again, it's one of those distractions, right? They would rather have you think about what's going to happen in the elections than have you think about what's going to happen at the gas pump or what's going to happen at the grocery store. Those two things impact your life more. Than what happens with the midterms, I would argue. Yeah, no, I was just saying that what they're calling domestic terrorists is is uh, is basically people who want to watch what happens to the ballots. You know, well, well that, right, and and, yeah. and you you also hit on the Q thing, and the Q thing was a distraction. And yes. I have been telling people from day one that Durham was a distraction. You don't yeah. hire the deep state to investigate the deep state. It just I mean, it, it never yeah. works out. And everyone is shocked that Durham has only charged one person and that person has now got off. I mean, come on. What did, what did you think was going to happen? Uh, it, it, it's a fool's errand to think somehow that, that it was going to go any other way. I mean, it was just hopium. And I still get people that trust the plan. Nope. Patriots are. Oh my people. God. No, trust they're the not. Plan. Yeah. 
They're literally no. not. If they were in control, your your brothers and sisters wouldn't be sitting in jail cells in Washington D.C. Yeah, the so, White Hats, right? The White Hats. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it's all it's all nonsense. Yeah. So I, I think that that they want you to think about those things because then you're not thinking about the gas pumps. And, well, people um, are thinking about both. I, that regardless of what people are doing and taking action on school boards or or the voting or anything like that, they're all thinking about the gas pump. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Walking and chewing gum and, at the same time. And you know, I got I got back from this event this weekend, and I filled up my gas tank, and I was like, you know what? Uh, we're just we're just going to park the cars for the next few days, and we're just not going anywhere. Yeah, because it's in pretty bad shape. So. I think the best preparedness advice I can give people this week is the same one I've been given ever since this yep. administration took office, buy gasoline every single day. If you drive somewhere, fill up your car, because here literally overnight we're seeing 20 to 30 cent jumps, Yeah. right? I might go to bed and it's 520, and that sucks, and I don't want to pay it. Uh, it's 525 right at the end of my block right now, but tomorrow it could be 545 or 550 when I wake up, so... Buy it the could gas. change while you're driving down the street. I've seen that. Yeah. 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 And you, if you hadn't already been buying food all year long, you're in trouble right now. I can coast a little bit because we've been buying food for a while. Uh, don't necessarily need to. Now, you got to get fresh food like like meats and things like that. Um, but there are canned options you could have already had. Uh-huh. Um if you don't already have some extra food, I, I'd continue to get it. And the biggest thing you can do... Same thing I've been saying all year, grow your own food. It's getting a little late now, but you might want to get some in. Um, you know, you, you mentioned something about, like, uh, something I hadn't thought about, which was the EBT. Uh, just think, though, if it gets that chaotic, so you have high gas. And I went to the grocery store today, and I was annoyed because I just, I'm tired, and I didn't get, I didn't sleep very well. I have a bad toothache. So I kind of got the ass a little bit. I wasn't totally rude, but this woman that was in front of me at the um, the counter was totally rude to the poor person at, behind the counter. She's not trying to do anybody any harm. She's just trying to do her job. But this woman was going crazy about how the produce, like really exaggerated crazy. And I was, ex- you know, I was annoyed because I was trying to bring back a little scratch off ticket. I had one, a little, you know, a couple dollars off something like that to exchange it. And there was just this feeling like the tension, right? So I'm annoyed. This lady's annoyed. The people are annoyed about the gas. You know, it's it's just this tension. Now, you talked about like in Detroit. So just imagine everybody's on edge because they're pissed off about the gas. You know, they used to have some money. Now they don't have money. They're worried. They don't have a job. The EBT goes down. It starts to go crazy. And then guess what happens? Trucks will not go into those neighborhoods. Well, we're then already seeing in Metro Detroit, uh, we're already seeing in Metro Detroit, if you watch grocery deliveries being happening to the little gas stations, a security guard is now meeting them there. Wow. When they unload their truck. I bet. So I bet. that's only going to get worse. And I've been saying for about two years that we're going to get to a point soon where we've got to run Iraq style convoys to get food into the city. Uh, to keep people from stealing it from the trucks. I mean, we, we are, we are literally heading that way. And, and again, everyone's always, uh, everyone that gets into preparedness is looking for that one black swan event, the, the Chinese invasion or, or the EMP strike or the, the, the meteor that hits. 
Um, when in all reality, if you look back over time, it's situations like this. It's situations like the Ukraine war. It's situations like the Balkans where things started out as civil unrest. And then all of a sudden, six months later, you look back and realize you've been in a civil war and the power is out and the water is inconsistent. Mm. There's not one big event, right? It's just a continuing slow decline until you realize, oh, wow, um, we crossed that line three weeks ago. I it's just like boiled the frog. Exactly. It's exactly yeah. like boiling the frog. Yeah. And, uh, and boy, the frog is sweating right now. Dude, it's crazy. Like, I really can't even, I can't even watch a lot of it. One of the things that I definitely cannot watch, I can't watch the border. The immigration for me is my biggest thing. I think more than anything else that the trajectory of the country was changed started very drastically when Teddy Kennedy did his immigration bill. And their their goal is not assimilation. Their goal is balkanization, right, because they have the groups and they can have them vote. Although people are not very happy. The the reality is that the the massive migration right now is Hispanic migration and, and American Hispanics, whether it's first generation or, or, you know, third generation, are not having it. He's got like 26 percent approval rating. And we have a convoy on the border, another convoy. Well, I'll remind you that, uh, I mean, I don't need to remind you, but I'll remind our listeners that Cesar Chavez, who's been regarded as a, as a, as a champion yes. of rights, people have this misunderstanding <laughs> about him. They believe that he was all for illegal immigration. The man formed his own militia yeah. and conducted his own armed patrols on the borders because he knew that illegal immigration impacted the rights of the farm workers and brought yeah. wages down. So um, once – you get here and you're in the second generation, they turn suddenly conservative because they know exactly what happens because they did it the generation before. So here's the thing is, is they they call the replacement theory um, a conspiracy theory. Yet if you go back and look at people's writings from 25 to 30 years ago, they were talking literally about replacement theory uh, and it was the plan. But, that's the Democrat side here. They like the replacement theory idea. But there's another thing at work, and it's called the Reconquista. Absolutely. There used, there used to be an organization here called La Raza, and they yes. changed their name once everyone pointed out that it literally means the race and is probably the most racist name you could have for a group. Yes. Um, but it was Hispanic supremacy. And um, their goal was to retain the lands that they lost, that the that – the, South and Central Americans lost uh, in the Mexican-American and Spanish-American wars. And essentially, that's Florida kind of at a diagonal all the way up to Washington State. Um, and and what their plan is on this Reconquista, and it's actually supported by the drug cartels if you actually look into yeah. it, um, is to just repopulate that territory and then take it. And, reconquer. And just reconquer. That's the translation reconquista. of that Spanish word, yeah. Yeah, and and that that's actually a thing, and it's ongoing. Yeah, well, so. and of course, uh, you know, Tucker Tucker's been talking about that, and they're like, oh, he's racist and everything like that. Here's the thing: so you talk about twenty five, thirty years ago, they talked about it within the past twenty five months, probably within yeah. the past twenty five weeks. They have literally written articles in like major magazines talking about how we just need to get rid of, you know, we just need to replace these voters because we can't manage them. That they have said it in their own mouth. That's the thing that's so ridiculous. It's like they they say something, then they you know then they act surprised that you call them out on it. It's like those are your words, you know. 
And yeah, they, yeah. they literally say they have to have a new demographic. Here's the thing. They're aborting their own demographic. So they have to import new ones. So, you know, but the, the, I have always said this, you know, and I've written, I've written articles about it. I know we're talking, you know, I know your feelings about the election, but I also think this is, this applies to some of the other sort of like, yes, I know you're listening, Agent Jansen, so I won't be specific. This stuff. We need to have a coalition, multiracial coalition of people who are willing to defend this country. And one of the things I'll say very clearly, I don't care what anybody says, Democrats have taught or tried to teach and actually been very effective, teach black people to hate the country. Not all of them, of course, but that's their that's been their goal and their mission. At some point, enough people and I don't know what that is. And I don't I don't know if they're already there and they're silent, you know, uh, Enough people have to stand up and be willing to defend this country, particularly, in my opinion, black people, because Democrats get 85 to 95 percent of the vote. And they have been so aggressive with them in all of this, you know, uh, it's this weird Stockholm syndrome and all of this, you know, propaganda against the country and everything with the legitimate history of the country. That has to happen. This this atrocity of the economy is hitting everybody and particularly it's really hitting a lot of democrat group voters the worst you know they always say oh we care about low-income hispanics and blacks no yeah if you cared about them what's what's happening now they're getting slaughtered in the cities that the democrats run the all the single moms they love the single moms right who's getting hammered the worst a single mom right so right. the groups that they claim to care about, it's always the same thing. You know, they can't fix it now. It's already too late. So they're either going to go for broke, which I think they're going to do, you know. Um, it's like a wounded dog is, you know, a rabid dog is dangerous. And they're, they're, they're just, you know, if they, if we actually do have elections, then they're just going to go insane after the election, until the election, and then after the election, till it's a lame duck, and then pass everything they want. So, and, there, you know, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but... The Republicans are helping them. So we're in a really, you know, we're in a worse situation than even we kind of like we say, yes, it's really bad. It's really bad when you have both parties because wanting to subjugate like their own people, you know. Well, yeah. And that's that's kind of the thing. Um, They become just one. It's a unit party. Two two halves of the same whole. And that's why I, I just can't grasp why people think. Um, the elections are going to help. Now, that being said, there are certain candidates that are outside of that mainstream. Um, Donald Trump was one of them. Uh, Ron Moeller in, in South Dakota 31, who uh, last time I checked was was holding his own pretty well in the primary today. My super um, PAC supports him. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Joe Kent. Yeah. Uh, you know, several of the Anthony others Sabatini here in Florida. Yep. They're they're really, really, really willing to do things for the people. But you have to be careful because sometimes they sound great. Yeah. Uh, and then like get Rubio in office did. and suddenly do things differently, like, you know, Pirate Dan. Or, oh, my uh, God. Yes. Yeah. Or, and and, and uh, Marco Rubio here in Florida. A tea, yeah. Oh, he's Tea Party guy. Yeah. Not so much. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how Marco Rubio gets away with it because the Cuban community is, is far more conservative than uh, than most people think. So. Well, yes, but he gets what he does is he says, yes, I'm going to vote for any war that you comes across, but put a Bible verse in front of it. Yeah, he literally tweets out Bible verses. And I'm like, you are a joke. So 
Hey, I literally tweet out Bible verses. Yeah, but he does. But he does subversion, <laughs> and that that oh my god, that idiot. Go, uh, I can't remember her name from, she's from also South Florida, one of those, uh, districts down there. And she's like, oh yes, I, I bought, she used to be a television person. Um, she's open borders. She's pro abortion. She's, she wants to bomb everybody just like all the other neocons. And I'm like, uh, you know who I'm talking about? She's pretty. She's really pretty. No. Spanish woman. Um, no. Vasquez or something like that. Oh anyway, yeah. Yeah. She, you know who she I'm talking about. something last weekend that she's was just so ridiculous. stupid. Yeah. yeah, she's she a she's a talk show host. Oh, oh, she wants military intervention in Venezuela. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, and that's that's a topic that needs to be discussed. Is that Venezuela and Colombia are literally on the edge of a war, and if that happens, the the massive flux of oh. people coming north will be terrible. So. Well, I have a friend here from Colombia. She told me that they had the the first elections, um, and that the 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 guy in the left. You know, who's a communist? One. But the the other groups are forming together to go against him. So I don't know what those groups are going to be. It could be this, you know, similar to like the Azov battalion going against the Russians. Well, Venezuela says that if their guy, the communist, doesn't win, it's because of American interference and they're going to invade. So we need to be aware of that. Well, they found those guys in, in, uh, in uniform over the border. Yeah, and uh, and you know what? Uh, Scout and I sat down with with some uh, magnifying glasses and looked it over, and about half of those guys were actually in Venezuelan military uniforms. So yeah, nothing to see here, folks. Nothing, nothing to, to see, see here. here. Nothing to see that there's military aged men all coming over the border, just like it was with the migrant crisis in Europe. You know, I'll tell you, there are two two pieces of fiction to look at that make what we're do what's happening in the world right now. Uh, seem like you know, it, it explains it all. First of all, is if you look at the original Red Dawn, uh, the one from 1984, and you don't watch the whole movie. You just watch those little fake news clips they have at the beginning, and it talks about crop failures, and it talks about Venezuelan and Nicaraguan troop levels and, and Cuban troop levels and all of that, which are things that are literally happening today. The other one is a book called Mongol Moon by my friend Mark Sibley. Yeah. Uh, who needs to finish his sequel if you're listening, Sibley. <laughs> Uh, I'm in his so I need, I need to, I need to, I need to get that book out. But in it, he posits that, um, China and Iran and some other countries join together to invade the U.S. And, and cause havoc, but they don't actually do a full-on invasion. What they do is they infiltrate people across the border, uh, where they made up with, with supplies that, that immigrants from prior generations had filled storage units with like they would rent a storage unit fill it with guns ammo food vehicles yeah. things like that and these people would sneak across the border meet with their uh with their vehicles and then move out and start conducting terrorist attacks or ambushes or things like that all over the u.s to cause havoc and take down the power grid now it, it's 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 a great book and it sounds like cool fiction but then a chinese general owns one of the biggest uh, ranches in Texas that's right up against a U.S. Air Force base. And yeah. it's also right up against the border. And it's got two runways that are capable of landing heavy lift aircraft of a military style. So it all of a sudden it becomes not that outlandish, right? And, and these are the things that we need to worry about. And when people say, well, if you're writing just about family preparedness, why do you put in – running checkpoints or running ambushes or conducting patrols. That's why, because it will not remain 
just a without rule of law situation. Someone will come in and take advantage, whether it's South American militaries, Chinese, Iranians, whatever. Um, someone will be there causing havoc and you're not you're not immune to that. Yeah. I well, and, you know, I've talked to you before about this, like. We had the in Dallas, uh, not Austin, mind you, not Austin, which is bad enough that that exists in Texas. But in Dallas, right, the twerking of the trannies in front of the five year olds. So we're like, OK, Sodom and Gomorrah territory in Texas. Here we go. Are you strapped in for my tirade yeah. on this? OK, go. Go first it. of all. You know, they, they act like it was a great thing that the police showed up and removed the children from the building. But every single adult in that building yes. was committing a felony and therefore should have been arrested. Yeah. OK, so I can't I can't conduct a sex show in the presence of children. Uh, I can't as and a business allow children in. What's that? They were participating. Some of them. They were participating as a as an owner of a business. I can't allow children in while a sex show is going on. And as a parent, I can't allow my child to be exposed to a sex show. So every adult involved should have been arrested. So mm-hmm. that's problem one. Problem two is there's also a second video of a black man walking along the street. And Antifa is running up and getting in his way and stopping him and pushing him and shoving him. And he just keeps on trying to walk. Well, eventually, two Dallas detectives and a uniformed officer rush up and get in this guy's face and tell him he's got to leave. And he's like, I'm just walking down the street. They're blocking me. And he says, the cops are like, well, yeah, but we know why you're here. You're antagonizing them. He's like, I'm just walking down the street. I can walk up and down the street all day long if I want to. And essentially, the officers told him to leave. Listen, cops, I want to be on your side. I want to support you. I want to back the blue. But when you do things like this, I just can't. I yeah. just the video clearly shows this man being assaulted in your presence, and you were told the cops him, black or white. Both. Oh. The two detectives were black. The guy was black, and the uniformed officer was either white or Hispanic. Yeah. And they told him he needed to move along, and they acted like it was the most ridiculous thing in the world that he wanted to walk down that street. Uh, here's the thing: I can walk down the street, and I I have a right to do so unimpeded. Now, Antifa will say, well, we have the right to do that, too. Yes, you do. But you don't have the right to step in front of someone intentionally to Mm -hmm. stop them and then start shoving on them. You don't have that right. Not at all. So um, I I just think that more and more of this is going to happen. And what you're going to see is people realizing, okay, well, the police are, are definitely taking a side on this. So therefore, they're not going to help me. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to protect these children in this building. You're going to have some wacko uh, like we had at the uh, at that pizza shop in Washington, D.C. Yeah. You're going to have someone go in there thinking he's liberating the children and it's going to get ugly. Yeah. Uh, or they're going to disperse that Antifa crowd out in front and it's going to get ugly. So the more that the police choose a side in this, rather than saying, listen, we're going to be we're going to enforce the law black and white on both sides. We're going to arrest everyone involved here. And we're going to arrest anyone who harasses the Antifa guys out here. But we're also going to arrest every Antifa person who harasses someone else until they do that and be straight down the middle, black and white. This is what we do. Um, they're going to become the, people are going to take things into their own hands and it contributes to lawlessness rather than lawfulness. Yeah, no, and I actually, I wrote an article about that, about will vigilante justice prevail where 
actual justice, you know, doesn't exist. And I'm so I'm glad you th- brought up the thing about the cops. I I am not like a, a raw. I'm a little too raw raw for the military, frankly, because you know they have weapons and everything, but they're not the domestic enforcement. The cops, all these people on the right, oh, back to blue, back to blue. Look, I recognize I don't want to be a cop, right? I recognize that there's no there's no like routine stop. People are killed all the time on domestic violence because the the, the dude sh- sh- shoots a cop and all kind of other things, you know. There's a street in my neighborhood that's so dark. It's like all the creepy crawler meth heads are down there walking the street. You can't see them because there's no lights. Just imagine a cop has to pull someone over there. It's awful. I wouldn't want to do it. But Well, there's a video from last night uh, out of New Orleans. And it shows these uh, street takeovers. I don't know if you've seen them or not. No. But essentially, it's a large armed crowd that comes and decides that, you know, we're taking over this block for a while. And the cars go in the middle, and they're doing donuts in the middle oh, of the road. Yeah. And in California, they've had people killed by the cars, pe- drivers losing control and hitting people in the crowd. Yeah. But what you see in this video is a, is a New Orleans police officer pulls up. They, 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 they set off their lights and try to disperse the crowd. Armed men approach that vehicle. They've got rifles. They've got handguns. And they start jumping up and down on the vehicle and all that on stuff. On the and cop the police, car. Yeah. And the yeah. police leave rather than calling for backup or, or, or getting more forces in there. They just left. So, one, that's what law enforcement is becoming now. Hey, if it's too much trouble, I'm just going to leave and I'm not going to let them do whatever they want. And, number one, that's a disservice to the black community because they they have to live there. They have to tolerate the behavior. Uh, and two, it's gonna encourage, once again, vigilantism. Yeah. People are gonna be like, alright, cops won't stop it, we will. And, and yeah. then bad things will happen. That's where you get things like, like, like fringe militia groups going out there and doing things. These Boogaloo boys going out there and doing things. Uh, which again, I'll, I'll point out, Boogaloo boys are a left wing thing, not a right wing thing. Um, yeah. The left took that over and co-opted that a long time ago. Um, but, but it, it's just going to encourage more vigilantism, and the more police disengage, the more someone's going to fill that gap. Well, they disengage on one hand, and then they're aggressively anti-freedom on another, which they've been. Well, that's because they know that you the will pandemic. comply. Huh? That's that's because they know that you will comply with them. Yeah. You're less likely to fight them than the left is, so they're going to go for the easy win. Yeah. And that's where you have them showing up saying that, hey, you know, you, maybe you shouldn't go to this protest or, hey, maybe you shouldn't have your gun or, or whatever. And it's uh, it, it becomes one sided that way. They take the easy route and then that you lose that way, too, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, or you have in Florida three sheriffs that basically say, you know, we're going to shoot you right in the head like Sheriff Grady Judd. And the other one says, shoot him and bring him inside. You know, do us a favor and shoot him so you can save the taxpayer money. That's the one I like. Yeah. yeah, but 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 please don't do that because tampering with evidence is a felony in every jurisdiction. If you shoot him outside, shoot him outside. Touche. Don't I know. drag him back in your house, please. You know my point, but yeah, yeah I do. okay. I do. So, okay, talk about the Defense Production Act. Uh, yes. Defense so I wanted to talk about this because it's been invoked two times in the last two weeks. So, as I have pointed out all along, the Defense Production Act is one of the most draconian pieces of legislation that no one knows about. So, you need to understand it. Um, what it says is that during times of, a, of an emergency, and it was, it, was, it was meant for a World War III situation, right? It was written in the 50s. Uh, it says that the government can declare things scarce. 
So let's just say for, for, for argument's sake, in a real war, rubber for tires. And what they can do then is say, you can't have more than four tires. We need any more tires than that. You have to turn in so that we can use them for the war effort. Well, during COVID, it was invoked uh, because of masks. And they seized a bunch of masks that were lawfully bought by people, uh, including some that were bought by the city of Berlin. Um, we sent Navy SEALs to seize a ship on the sea and bring it back. Uh, we raided a guy's uh, business, I think, in New Jersey that was full of masks that he had bought and he was going to sell, but they took them from him um, and, and charged him with a crime called hoarding. It's mm-hmm. 50 United States Code 4512. And it says that if they decide something is a critical supply and you have more than what is considered immediate personal use, they can charge you with a federal crime of hoarding. So let's say I've got my food supplies, right? I've got a 10-year supply of food, but I've bragged about it on Facebook. And I told all of my neighbors, hey, man, I got my food. Why don't you have yours? And the government declares food to be a critical scarce resource. They're going to show up at your house and they're going to take all of that food except for what your family needs for, say, the next week and declare you as a hoarder and they can arrest you. They can do this with anything that they determine scarce. So two weeks ago, they did it uh, in relation to baby formula. And I warned everyone it was coming because Jen Psaki started mentioning the word hoarding during her press conferences. She said the problem is parents are hoarding baby formula. First of all, the idea that you would ever say a parent is hoarding baby formula. If there's one thing on this planet we should protect and make sure are fed, it's our babies, yeah. right? So you, no parent is ever hoarding baby formula. They're buying stuff so their baby can eat. That's not hoarding. Yeah, and if you go to Costco, it's not hoarding if you buy bulk. Hello? Exactly. So yeah. so what I what I I told everyone I say, listen, she's using that word hoarding. Watch for them to invoke the Defense Production Act and then boom, a few days later they invoked it. And they said they invoked it in order to to waive tariffs on some things and get some in from uh from foreign countries, but it also enabled them to force other companies to make baby formula if they wanted to, and companies that can be forced to make it at a loss, which is what happened to General Motors and Ford and Chrysler during the uh, COVID crisis. They were forced to make ventilators. Uh, they had to completely retool, buy whole new machines, and they made them at a loss because the government can tell you what price they're going to give you for them. So uh, it's really bad in that regard. Um, but then they just invoked it today uh, for solar panels. And they say, well, you know, it's because we want to ramp up solar panel production. And people have asked me, what's the emergency? What emergency are you declaring this related to? And they say energy. So you need to brace yourself because if they're saying there's an energy emergency, there's probably just about to be an energy emergency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they said that they used the Defense Production Act to waive tariffs on solar panels imported from Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia, uh, and one other country, all of which touched China. None of those countries make solar panels. China does. So what they actually did was remove tariffs on solar panels made in China that are going to be sold to us through these other countries. So they're, they're just using this act to get around legislation. So these are the people who will also tell you that our democracy is under attack, while at the same time they're setting aside the democracy by using the Defense Production Act for everything that they do. And now when they start declaring an emergency on solar power and saying that we have to be more reliant on solar panels, 
What if you just converted your entire house and homestead to solar oh my panels? God. And you have 40 or 50 solar panels just sitting there and they think you only need 20. You need to be thinking about this because that's how it works. That's how the Defense Production Act works. It's designed to allow them to steal things from people. And yeah, they claim they'll compensate you fairly, which is not going to be anywhere near what you paid for them. Um, but they can come and take your solar panels. Good Lord, but the American people have no idea what's coming for them at all. It's they frightening. Don't. And, and, and so when Janet Yellen was questioned today about or yesterday about um, about the, 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 the financial crisis that we're in right now, she said – and it was about the price of gas. She said, well, we have to become more reliant on, on, on the wind and the sun. Raise your hand if you have a wind-powered car. <laughs> also, yeah. raise your hand if you have a solar-powered car. You don't. So, I mean, you need to read between the lines. They want you to not drive anywhere. Oh, yeah, that's obvious. And today, Debbie Stabenow, uh, oh, during know. a committee hearing, said, I drove from Michigan to Washington, D.C. in my electric car over the weekend. That's not physically possible. It's 535 miles from Lansing, Michigan to Washington, D.C. There is not a single electric vehicle that will go 535 miles without charging. Yeah. It's just not possible. So. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's crazy. Okay, so we want to uh, get into China. Um, the the uh, Chinese economist this week said that if the U.S. put any sanctions, uh, any sanctions on China, just like they did on Russia, that they should just go ahead and take Taiwan. So we're not ready, of course, because it's Pride Month, right? The military, the military is too busy faggotizing the troops. You must have been as horrified as I was when you saw the Marine. Uh, what do you call the hat? A helmet. The helmet. Duh. Sorry, I had a brain fart there. The helmet with the two two three bullets. In the rainbow so, colors. So not only – now it's bad enough that that was uh, my beloved Marine Corps that did that. <laughs> but it's also – they besmirched the film Full Metal Jacket, which is a Marine favorite, right? Yes. Because basically that helmet recreated the helmet on the cover of Full Metal Jacket. And my God, that's yeah. nonsense. The most feared fighting force in the world is reduced to this. Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. And speaking of, just back to Yellen very quickly, she was in 2008. She's totally incompetent or subversive and malicious. And these people just get recycled through the system because that's what they're supposed to do. So it's unbelievable. But, yeah, we're not ready for whatever uh, Taiwan has. you have any predictions, Joe Stradamus? Um, well, I would have thought that uh, May is over. Uh, May was their one of their best opportunities for an invasion. Um the next really good one is not until November, but everyone uh, everyone likes to try and, and attach um, American thought processes or Western logic to Asians and that they just don't think the same. So they say because of sea conditions, they probably have to wait till November. That's ideal sea conditions. Um, China is not overly concerned about the well-being and welfare <laughs> of her soldiers. So they don't care if they have a rough crossing in the boats. They can make it. It's a 12-hour crossing. Um, they'll make it in small boats. It'll be fine. Um, I, I don't know. It could come at any time. And, and that all assumes they're not just going to parachute a couple hundred thousand guys onto the island. Uh, yeah. 
I, I don't know. It's going to be uh, – I, I predict a, um, a, a world war by December, but or, – or a war in that region by December. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, there, there's really nothing that stops them from taking Taiwan at this point other than their goodwill, and we know how well that works. Well, and also, I guess if they move the plant for the, um, oh my God, Matthew McConaughey talking with Grassley, gun control. If they move the plant to, they talked about moving a plant to Arizona, and I can't remember the other one for making the chips here. That was another thing that would cause them to be, you know, upset. And it's like, oh, well, too effing bad. But, you know, this is what you get, the complacency. I mean, our, both parties are so, uh, you know, well, you know, so today too, they made a change in their official policy statement online about about Taiwan, and they said that uh, they don't support Taiwan declaring independence. Can I give a three minute history lesson here? Yeah. Taiwan doesn't have to declare independence because Taiwan has never been a part of the People's Republic of China. In all actuality, Taiwan is where the nationalist Chinese retreated to during the Chinese Civil War. So actually, the breakaway province is the People's Republic of China, and the original, still standing since before World War II, uh, Republic of China is what's left on Taiwan. So if you look at the flag of Taiwan and look at the flag of, the, of China pre-World War II, it's the same flag. They've never changed hands. So Taiwan is not a breakaway province. They don't need to declare independence because they have never been a part of mainland China. Mainland China used to be a part of them. So yeah. I call them West Taiwan and Taiwan. Um, so it's just silly when we say we don't support Taiwanese independence. Taiwan has always been independent. She is going to come get you, Joey D. She can line up because you know, <laughs> he's going to have to come right after the FBI. And, uh, and Agent yeah, Jansen, of course. They're yeah. going to have their own problems. Yeah. All right. So quickly, I want to talk about. Okay. So you want to put a just a, a ballpark December? I, I would say by December by something December. will be happening. But but hey, I have been known to be wrong. It's pretty few and far between. But <laughs> that's what I like to say about myself. Okay. Speaking of bullets, right? The uh, um the sad two two three rainbow bullets on the helmet. Uh. As I mentioned before a little bit, they, you know, with all of these, uh, quote unquote mass shootings, which are usually federally involved, there's something so suspicious about Uvalde. It reminds me of Vegas. I don't know about you, but, um, it's totally sus, this situation. Here's the problem again, that the Republicans have mentioned they're going to help dementia with gun control. Why? Because either they're feckless eunuchs, which they are, they don't have any balls, which they don't, or, they're just trying to flex because they don't want anything to do with Trump. And if it if it gets our ARs away, you know, for the people that have them, good. Canada just banned all guns, the uh, little eunuch Trudeau. So is this where it starts, Joe? I, I don't know. I, I can't wrap my head around Uvalde. Um, I can't imagine being a police officer and not going in that building. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that. Even though they had probably 30 guys there, they don't have enough guys to keep me from getting in that building. Even if I don't know a single one of those children, I could not allow that to go on. I'm sorry. You're going to have to shoot me because I'm going in there and I'm going to save those children. Yeah. I can't. I just can't grasp it. And and to say you got into law enforcement to help people and yet you're afraid 
you wouldn't have been afraid if there was never mind. You wouldn't you wouldn't have been afraid uh on January sixth, right? Uh yeah. to, to bash me upside the head with a baton. Uh, but you're afraid to go in there. Uh, I, something is wrong there. I don't know what it is. I don't want to. I don't want to say things because I don't have any solid evidence. But, but it's it's awful suspicious that he already had made threats a couple of years before, and the FBI has been in contact with him the whole time. That just, school had been shut down, had been um, locked down like forty some odd times for yeah. gang and illegal and uh, cartel activity. Well, here's another odd point. Um, I pointed out that 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 he's an 18 year old kid who was being teased because he was poor. Where did he get exactly. ten thousand dollars worth of guns and yeah. ammo and, and a high high quality optic? Yeah, not and a five hundred dollar AR, twenty five hundred dollar AR. And if I was just gonna go shoot up a school, why would I buy a twenty five hundred dollar AR? Why wouldn't I buy a six hundred dollar AR? Yeah, it's not gonna matter. Right. Um, so it just it doesn't make sense in that regard. It, it also doesn't make sense in the regard that I said right afterward. I said one of the biggest indicators will be if 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 Joe Biden talks about uh, knocking the school down and he came right out and said, why yeah, we're going to demolish the school evidence? Well, you know, right. And then uh, somebody said to me, he goes, yeah, but that's a new practice. That's a common practice. Nope, it's been done at, uh, at at Newtown, Connecticut, and it's been done here, and that's it. So it was done at the Amish. At the who? At the um, when they when that guy killed all the Amish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they took that building down, which is good. Yeah, evidence not there, but I think definitely, I think it's evidence. I, I think that there is something definitely odd about it, and you don't want to put on your tinfoil hat, but man, in this regard, it fits so nicely. Yeah, so. I don't know. It just reminded me of Vegas. But what do you, you know? Uh, it, it's either that. I'm sorry. It's either that that's going to start it, or the Supreme Court packing. What do you think? Well, the Supreme Court passing is going to cause a lot of problems here. And, and the DHS put on an alert today that that's going to cause violence from both sides. And what you see is is, is sort of a stage setting, right? Yeah. So they, they they started rerunning news stories about the Metcalf incident this last week, and the Metcalf incident is where an unknown party or, or unknown parties set up a, a, an overwatch position and opened fire on a uh, a power transformer in Metcalf, California, took the transformer down, took down power in 2013. Um, they call it a failed terrorist attack. I call it a, a successful proof of concept. They proved that they could do it, right? So they started talking about that last week. Then they start talking about an energy emergency, and then we start talking about rolling blackouts throughout the U.S. this summer. Uh, and they're openly talking about all of these things. Then they say there's going to be violence related to this this announcement whenever it comes, which is coming very soon. Then you have this random case in Wisconsin of a man. They get a call of shots fired at a judge's house. They get there and they claim that this man came in, shot the judge, went to the basement and killed himself. But on him, they found a hit list of all the people he was going to attack. And I said, well, you know, the, 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 the fake story doesn't make any sense because why would I make a hit list and then kill myself after the first shooting? Um, I'm not really good at scheduling my hit list. <laughs> it's not a hit list if I killed myself after the first shooting. It yeah. might be a list of people I don't like, but it's not a hit list. Yeah. So, um, but, but they're setting that stage, right? That there are, that there are domestic violence people out here about to do things. And, um, uh, 
they sure make all of them try to look the same way. So. Yeah, well, you know, listen, y- y- you and I have the same feeling like TikTok. If you do a statistical analysis, though, in all honesty, of mass shooters, you will find that the vast majority, that by far, line up on a certain side of the ideological spectrum, and it ain't the right side. Exactly, exactly. But they always use it to to try to take away the guns from law-abiding people, which are us, not the left. So, you know, listen, it's hot. It's a hot summer. It's going to be a really hot summer. And, you know, let's get it on. I mean, seriously, they can do whatever they want. It's about time that people decide whether, what is it, a republic if you can keep it, whether people yep. want to be free or not, and what, you know, whether they whether they remember how this country was founded. I'm sorry, well, that's what it's about. I'll tell you, everyone tells me that 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 by by if anyone takes action, you're playing into their hands. Okay, well, by not taking any action, we're also playing into their hands. Yeah. So which would you rather do? Just sit around and let it happen or 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 do whatever you can, whether it's voting, whether it's getting out and organizing, whether it's other things, doing what you can to try and stop it. Uh, I for me, yeah, I'm going to go with Patrick Henry. Yeah. I know not what path others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Yeah. Well, we're going to find out. You also wrote, you know, Joe Dolio also wrote an article called Give Me Liberty or Give Me Netflix. So, you know, Netflix is still operational. So I guess we're going to see. Too many of you are choosing Netflix. Yeah, it's very sad. Okay. Um, is there anything else quickly that we should talk about? Buy my books. That's what we yeah. should talk about. People <laughs> well, should buy my books. They should, actually. They, and they should listen to all of our podcasts. So any parting thoughts as we wrap up other than buy your books? Uh, buy my books. Fill your car with gas. Have water and food. Yeah. All right. Well, those are good. And pray. Pray for baby Jay. Absolutely. We need baby Jay back. Um, thanks again for another great Tactical Tuesdays podcast, as always, Joe. And again, I want to thank you all for listening. Please share not only with your friends, but on social media to be a force multiplier. And I want to emphasize the elderly on fixed incomes are getting absolutely slaughtered right now. Seriously. There are so elderly make sure who are not leaving their home right now because of gas prices. Yeah, of course. Go yeah. visit them. Yes. Please make sure they're squared away. I mean, you know. I don't know if people remember what happened in France when it got hot. There was a heat wave. It was tragic what happened. So they've already been hammered for coronavirus because they made them, you know, die in that situation. So we owe them to take care of them. But we really are working to provide information which could potentially save lives. You can catch all of our podcasts on my website, brooktalksamerica.com. They're also on iHeart, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and Google, a whole host of others. Um, Joe's website, tactical-wisdom.com, not only has his books available, but his great articles, so be sure to check that out. Check those out. He also has a YouTube channel of the same name, Tactical Wisdom. Um, I am on Facebook and Getter. Joe is on Facebook, Getter, and Twitter. Um, anyways, as with all of this stuff, hopefully we'll never need in real time, but better to have and not need than need and not have. So let's get prepared and see you next week on Brook Talks America, Tactical Tuesday. Oh,